Blog Talk Radio. Yo, Robert, what's going on? Where have you been? You're late. No, I don't want to hear it. Look, your job will fall. It's nowhere near... Hello, folks. We're coming. Where have you been? You're late. No, I don't want to hear it. Look, your job will fall. It's nowhere near good enough to pull this. I don't give a damn who your father is. You understand me? Alright, now get out of here. Thank you, sir. So you nervous about the fight? You're scared to death. You don't look scared? Well, you ain't supposed to. Then you don't have to do it. Yeah, well, I think I do. You know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now with all this going on, this is going to be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. Well, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself. And this happens. Now I'm asking you as a favor not to go through with this, okay? This is only going to end up bad for you, and it's going to end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that, that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up to say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful it was great just watching every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son. You're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why did I play that speech? And Seth is looking at me like I'm nuts over here, but you know what? The first thing we have to talk about today, that was parental advice from Rocky. We now need to know parental advice from Mr. Caymans, who, with his lovely wife, Carly, brought, well, 
he brought. You you really didn't do very much. You made him, but the rest of the work was all her. Have a beautiful boy, six pounds, two ounces, I think I remember. Six pounds, eight ounces, a little bit bigger. Uh, Jacob Sawyer. Not Jacob. Jake, Jake Sawyer, excuse me. Jake Sawyer, my apologies. Jake Sawyer came in, was welcomed into the world at, I believe, 240, 248, somewhere in there. Uh, yesterday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Yeah, like Uncle Sean really knows what the <laughs> heck's going on. Yeah, I know his birthday. That's all that matters. And how does it feel to be a dad? Because Rocky always loved his son, always had to visit the mother. What is your parental advice for your newborn son? Well, all the uh, well wishes and the good lucks and everything. I, you know, Facebook calls, emails, both Carly and I really appreciate it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Number two, I really appreciate someone you actually quoting Rocky and not a movie like Kangaroo Jack, which would not have surprised me in the slightest. Um, that comment also could probably be a regard. I wasn't sure if you were going with that was going to be for Hillary Clinton in the Democratic Convention because the harder you get in, the harder you Lord. Okay. Wow. Okay, uh, then. Parental advice. Uh, well, here we go, Jake. I don't know crap. Um I've been a father for three days and I realize I don't know very much and that's fine. Um, be as good, just, you know, just try and be as good a man as your grandfather was and be better than me. And you're, and if you can follow that, you're off to a great start. And it's kind of cool. It's a little scary, a little freaky, but it's a pretty damn cool thing that I am, I look where I was five years when we started the show, which was, I guess, 2012, 2011. And at that point, I had a firm for maybe three months. Now I have a five-person company. I got a wife, and I got a kid. Holy crap. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, all in all, relatively eventful five years. Yeah, Let's and in the last five years, I kept the same job. Yeah, and this is Sean's five-year anniversary where if I actually had time to set something up, I would have done that. He's lived in New York for five years. He's had a job, the same job for five years. He has the same haircut for five years. <laughs> I, he still hasn't put up anything in his apartment for five years. Um, pretty much Sean hasn't changed. Oh, come on. He's changed a little bit. There's been some change. But you know what? The more things change, the more things remain the same. Seth and I are both in my apartment right now drinking beer and doing the show. As it should be. As it should be. So it's not like this stuff will change. And you know what? In five, ten years, maybe Jake will join the show. Can't wait. Can't wait. Absolutely. And if you would like to donate anything to the Seth Cameron Fund, <laughs> Syracuse stuff is more than welcome. No, Maryland we, stuff is preferred. Maryland stuff is preferred. And, and to Carly's credit, she was very gracious in the orange that I brought over yesterday. She didn't snap at me and say he will not be wearing orange. She said it was awfully cute, which is great. But there is Maryland red on the way, along with Giants blue and Yankees blue. So I have covered. You got him a Chapman jersey? I did not get him a Chapman (laughs) jersey. We'll get to Chapman in a second. Well, I have a question for you. So now you have a son, now that there is a little bit more real to this. There was a lot of questioning going on whether you would let your son play football in regards to anything. Are there any new thoughts now that you have a son as to whether if he wants – look, 
We know you are not the fastest person no. in the world, okay? We know you don't have a cannon for an arm. No. We know you cannot kick a field goal. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe the best of your skills, okay? On, a, no, my, my hands are the best. Right, right, right. But you're not going to be a wide receiver, no. okay? I have no speed. Let's assume that Jake can actually run faster than you. He may be able to run faster than me now. Okay, let's say he can run faster than me, okay? Let's say he has the qualities to be, in, to be a high school player, okay? He doesn't have to be anything more at this point. Do you want to play football and, and have your views changed since you have become a dad? Now thinking about that today. Well, I'll admittedly this is the first time in considering I've been a dad for all 48 hours. I never thought about it. Um, my hope would be that he would have a football career similar to mine, meaning he played a lot of pickup football with friends over, over, you know, over his high school years and, over, and a little bit of flag here and there. And there was a little bit of tackle. I don't mind. Look, I, I, my kid's name is Jake Sawyer. It's not really the name of a softy, for lack of a better term. He sounds like the as one of as what my my big brother from my fraternity wrote on my Facebook. He sounds like the bad guy in an '80s movie. Hey, it sounds like the bad guy in Sandlot. Actually, well, I don't know the Sandlot. I haven't seen the Sandlot in 25 years. But um, I have no. My wife would have a goddamn heart attack. But if. It, and I don't see him, you know, I think she's going to want him to push towards the soccer and the tennis and pretty much anything other than football. Um, realistically, I, I, if all, I can't imagine him playing anything more than high school football, and that's probably not worth it to him. But I would have a discussion with him about it, and he would probably have to convince me, more importantly, have to convince my wife, Oh yeah, um, that there would be a reason, there would be something worthwhile for him to do it for. Okay. And I don't know what that reason would be. I can't imagine. I'm a decent athlete. Decent. Sure. Um, my wife is a very short athlete. woman. Yeah, a very short woman. So I don't really, see, I don't really see a football scholarship coming in the future. So that being said, if what would be the a reasonable rationale for him to get his butt kicked for four years, I don't know. But I'm also. I'm assuming that this is a discussion I have with him. And if he doesn't like it, then that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where we are. We'll see who's boss at that point. We'll, it won't be, you, be, it won't be him. No. It'll be Carly. Yeah. If you'd like to call in and, and talk about parental strategies with Seth Kamen, he certainly has none. 760-283-0846. Look, I spent the last four days with an 11-year-old, and I will tell you a couple of things from my – I'm getting parental advice? Pseudo parental advice. I don't want an 11 year old ever. <laughs> Can we just skip from like, if I do have kids from 7 to 14? Because the 11 year old, I think, is just the worst. I hope she's not watching, listening right ah, now. She's not listening. But the fact is, you know what? 11 year olds are tough. They're expensive. <laughs> no question about it. They are, in some ways, belligerent in the fact that they don't listen to you. At all. They're teenagers. They're tweens, as you like to call them. She wanted to have her headphones in all the time. And I understand I am not the most exciting person to talk to at the dinner table. I get that. I agree. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're at a dinner table, I think your parents taught you well enough, and certainly mine did, you take out your headphones. We didn't even have headphones at that point. But the fact is, you have a conversation with the person that's sitting across from you. I love my niece to death. And I'm really glad she came for four days. 
and I am so glad that she is no longer here. So I can A, get my bed, B, I can have a good night's sleep, and C, I can no longer, I can now sew the hole in my wallet completely shut because it costs a whole lot to, do an ele- to, to deal with an 11-year-old for an entire week. But you know what? Great time. I don't really have parental advice other than save your money. I think that is the greatest advice I can give to any parent at this point. Just save your money because it just gets progressively worse. Or, or your CPA work price will double. <laughs> yeah, that too. You may charge more per hour as you get older. Anyway, so we've, we've covered that. Let's cover the big news in New York today. So Aramis Chapman is traded for a group of prospects, four prospects, to the Cubs in what I believe is a great deal for the Yankees. And I think it's a great deal for the Yankees on so many levels, it's not even funny. Number, and I'll let you interject in a second. Number one, they traded a upcoming free agent where the best that they were going to do was put him in a tender position for uh, give him a qualifying offer, get a first-round pick back. That's the best. Number two, they got a great haul for him. Number three, they have acknowledged they are not going to win. And that, to me, is more successful than anything else that went on today. They acknowledge they are not going to win this year. Yeah. Um, a couple things regarding this. I do find interesting the prospect they went after. Uh, I, I, I know it was, it was a, it was a, I know he was Chicago's, the Cubs' top prospect. He was a single-A shortstop. Number 15 pick, I believe, in the draft two years ago. It was a strange name, like Gladys Torres or something yep. like that. You're, you're close. Okay. Torres uh, is the last name. If you want to call in 760-283-0846. Yeah, my feeling is this. Number one, they are not winning going anywhere with this team. Number two, as you said, the tender, may, trading an upcoming free agent makes all the sense. The world, getting a shortstop is interesting because they seem happy with the Castro-Gregorius combo, but either you move, you move one of them or you see where it plays, how it plays out. Number two, also, there is a very good chance they try and re-sign him after the season if they choose to. I don't think it's really one of their biggest needs. And, we'll also, and it, it, also, we'll see where this goes. Do they trade, excuse me, do they trade Andrew Miller? And where they can even get more, possibly more back because Miller is under contract for another two years. And suddenly, another one, one year. year. Okay. This year and next year. This year and next year. Where suddenly, you get a you get reinforcements uh, from the farm system, which is at this point relatively mediocre for a team, especially that is as old as the Yankees are. I like the deal. I'm assuming a prospect. There's only one big prospect. I think Adam Warren came back, and I think there was one other. And they got Billy McKinney back. Yeah, who's McKinney minor leaguer? Maybe a fourth or a third outfielder at best. But I think that the key is here is Cashman won because Brian Cashman has forever been. I'd like to say a pawn of the Yankees. He's been a good soldier is a, yeah. is a better way of saying it. And when he pulled a power play a couple of years ago saying I was going to go to the Phillies, they re-signed him to big money with the thought that he would, with the idea that he was going to have the power to do what he wanted. And this year was really a test of that power because if it was up to the Steinbrenners, they would say, oh, we got a shot, we'll go for it. And they have said that. We got a playoff caliber team. And Brian Cashman acknowledges that they don't. So now it's a strip down. Now it's a Chapman gone. If they can get this much for Chapman, what could they get for Miller? A lot more. Plus, you still even have a nice reliever in Batanzas. It's not like you're leaving it completely dry. 
Plus, can you, can you trade Brett Carl- Gardner? Can you trade Carlos Beltran? Look, you trade Brian McCann. I mean, there well, are McCann's like an eighteen million dollar a year player. I don't well, know what his value is. Well, the point. thing is, do you get rid of him just for this? So he's an eighteen million dollar player with three more years in that contract. Do you get rid of him because you can? And they do point. have some. They do have catching. The one thing they do, they always have Sanchez had. and Romine back there. But the fact is, if you take those eighteen million dollars and you reallocate it, you understand you're not going to win this year. You're, you're admitting that. You probably will not win next year. Probably you, not. You pro- I mean, I think they've admitted that by getting a single-A player as their guy, right? Because he's not playing next year. He's two, three years down the road. Their rotation is a mess behind Tanaka. So the fact is they're looking two, three years down the road, 2018 when Brian Bryce Bryce Harper, Harper comes is. out. So if you're looking that way, you strip it all down. You strip McCann down. And you say eighteen million dollars off my off my salary structure. I can go sign a younger guy. The only what the only argument against that is there is no salary cap in baseball. Agreed. And the Yankees of all teams are never a team that needs to strip for the sake of financial probity. I'm not saying also agreed. But I agree. At a certain point you play your you know, we've been hearing about Romine and Sanchez for years. Yep. We've been hearing about Aaron Judge for years. Yep. At a certain point, we have to see what we got. You know, yeah. you know, Greg Bird. You know, you know my feelings on Tishara. Arod well, he's done it. He's at the end, the end this year. Arod has one more year left. Although they're talking about cutting him. Um, uh, Sabathia, if you remember, I was I hated the re-sign of Sabathia. That's one of my smarter. Well, let me get into this. The key at this point, like I said, was admitting that you don't have it. Right. Right. Then you, you need to build to the draft. Then you need to restock your guys. So, yes, there's no salary cap in baseball, which for the Yankees is, is ridiculous and awesome for them. But that also means you can cut an A-Rod and right. not care. The, the biggest key that I've always said for the Yankees over smaller teams like Pittsburgh, and, and yes, Pittsburgh is a small market yeah. team, Kansas City, I St. Louis isn't really Seattle. Let's put let's put well, Seattle's not a small Cincinnati. Let's put Cincinnati. Is they can make a mistake, mistake. Yeah. and cut them and be done with them. They can give a rod thirty million dollars and say bye bye, and that's yeah. the end of them. So if you need to eat some of the and in part of that is eating some of the money in these trades. If they can get two top prospects for a Brian McCann, if they tear him down to say ten million dollars for the next three years. That goes a lot longer, a lot further with their timeline than keeping Brian McCann for two more years. Yeah. We all thought the McCann, I mean, McCann is always, was an interesting pickup to be thought, he, or at least I thought he was vastly overpaid. You know, a nice player, but not someone worth $18 million as a better-than-average catcher on a team that realistically wasn't going anywhere. And as, he, as Sean said, this is a team – that is building for what, for to make a run when Bryce Harper becomes a free agent in two years. And you have to strip away as much as humanly possible with maintaining some kind of – see, the problem is you can't go to a 60-100 and 100 team either because you're not going to be able to bring in the free agents at that point. Okay, but here's the thing for the Yankees, and I think this is kind of important. Two things. The reason that people have said you can't go to 62-100, and 100, which – They'll never get to. A hundred losses, a lot of losses. Well, you're a Mets fan. You, you were accustomed to that for many I years. I was for a couple of years. So, number one, they'll never get there. Even if they have a decent team, they'll never get there. 
the argument has always been, well, we won't bring people into the stands. Who cares? They don't bring people into the stands today. Nobody goes to the games anyway. Right. So that is ridiculous. It doesn't really matter. They're going to get the same 25000 today as they do if they're 60 and 100 tomorrow. So that won't matter. Free agents, that's the one thing they should be staying away from for the next two years. They should be building their farm system so that in two years they become the Houston Astros. And they are developing those players. So Bryce Harper is kind of that guy that is the first step back into free agency rather than building through free agency. Because what's happened since they've built through free agency? They haven't won anything. Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCann, Mark Teixeira, not disaster, but mediocre. Mediocre. CC Sabathia when he became a free agent again. The yeah. first time, good. Second time, not so but we And we had talked about it. Both of us thought that was a disastrous refining. Right. A-Rod, same deal. They have built. They have gone back to where Steinbrenner was in the 80s when they are a mediocre team. They need to go where Bob Watson and Brian Cashman were when they brought up Bernie Williams and right. the early, early mid-90s. And you had one or two years of mediocrity. And that, because I mean, even in a best case scenario, what are you looking at? You're looking at a wild card, and you're looking. You're just. You're not better than Toronto or Kansas City or Houston or a lot or Texas. You're just not. And New York has always been, has always been a city of go big or go home, and the Yankees personify that. And this is a time for them to go home for a little while, and restock. And let's see how it plays out. The Yankees will always be – look, this is coming from a Mets fan. The Yankees will always be the biggest team in the city. Yeah. And that's, the Mets had it for what, two years? 85 and 86 80, probably, yeah. maybe 87, but maybe three years. But at the end of the day, the Yankees are always going to be that team. And they're always – somebody once told me the reason why the Mets and Yankees are not a rivalry is because the Yankees don't care. And you can't have a rivalry when one team doesn't care. You would know this when Duke Maryland, where Duke doesn't that care that Maryland exists. Well, but, not, yeah, or Duke didn't care. Now didn't it's care, but, that, yeah. but it's the, that's why the only real rivalry in New York is the Islanders and Rangers, because those two teams actually care about the other team, as opposed to the Jets and Giants, where the Giants couldn't care less what the Jets do. Do the Knicks and Nets care? I think more than the other teams. Yeah. Because, because they the play Nets in the have, same division. Play in the same division, and the Nets have had more success recently. And though they did go to the fine, re- yeah. reasonably high success. Yeah. I'm not talking about going to the second round. And that, I mean, the Knicks, the last time they had any real semblance of success was 99. When they and, went it to the shows, and, it's, and it's Dolan. I mean, right. Dolan wants every – Dolan is Steinbrenner. Dolan is the equivalent yeah. to George, not even to Hal. He's George. <laughs> well, and you would say in the 80s there might have been a bigger Mets-Yankees rivalry than there even is today because Steinbrenner wanted the Mets. He cared about what was going on. Why did Tim uh, – a strange fact, why did Jose Rio jump from single A to the majors in one year? Any idea? Because Dwight Gooden did the same thing for the Mets. Really? So he was like, if they have their phenom, we need to have our phenom. Well, now Jose Rio was a good pitcher. Was a nice pitcher. Then he got traded for Ricky Henderson. And he ended up on the he ended up on the on, on the, the Reds on the Reds when and they the, won the title in, in 1990. 90. Yeah, 90. 1990. He, they fit, there was the uh, the Nasty Boys. Yep. Which were one of my favorite teams of all time. 
Speaking of money, we're switching we're switching a little bit to the NBA. Ty Lu, Ty Lu, all of what fifty five games coached in the NBA. Well, you can consider him the smartest coach in the NBA right now because when he became the head coach of the Cavaliers, he said, "I don't want a contract. I don't want a different contract. I'll play under the I'll coach under the assistant's contract for now." We'll discuss this at the end of the year. So he was earning $1.6 million. Poor guy. Poor guy. When he he became the coach of the Cavaliers. Well, he signed today a five-year, $35 million contract with the Cavs. Wow. For Ty Lue. Ty Lue, who, what, three years ago was playing in the NBA, right? So I I think he's now the third or fourth highest paying coach. I'm going to look that up. But... Wow, what a uh, what a jump in the NBA circles, right? It must be nice to be good friends with LeBron. So the highest paying coaches are Greg Popovich at eleven million. Wow, I didn't even think he earned that much. That's a lot of dough for him. Uh, Doc Rivers at ten for never winning anything. So he won. He won, he won one with Boston. Rick Carlisle at seven, and Stan Van Gundy at seven, who's also the president. Of the Pistons. Well, and Doc Rivers is also the GM, I believe, uh, of Clippers. Correct. Um, but you look at these teams, Greg Popovich is one of the top five coaches of all time. Doc Rivers was signed to a GM slash coaching job to try and rebuild a, con- a team that was in nowhere land. Oh, Tom Thibodeau is also earning $10 million, but he is the pre- But he's the president of that team, too. Scott Brooks is earning seven. What in Washington? This? Yeah, Scott Brooks, for five years at $7 million a year. What is wrong with this picture? Well, they thought that he was going to be able to bring in Durant, which obviously was not really very close to the truth. Wow. Um, Tyrone Lou is on the right place at the right time. Remember, four games into the series, people were saying how, much, how badly he was being outcoached. And so it must be nice to have – it must be nice to have LeBron. I mean, simply put. Put it this way, Steve Kerr's only only earning five. So Ty, you're right. Right place, right time. Right place, right time. Right place, right time. So this brings us into the NBA, which is a good segue for my next uh question for you. So for years we have said that NBA major league baseball players, pro athletes, should be role models or should not be role models, depending on who you ask. So Charles Barkley has forever said, I am not a role model. Your role model should be teachers. Your role model should be the President of the United States. Your role model should be other professions, firemen, policemen. Well, speaking of policemen, now we have athletes saying it's our job to speak out. It's our job to get in the middle of race relations within the United States. Now, you and I are both Caucasian, so we – thank you – Looking in the mirror, we're we're probably not as affected by the happenings that have been going on with police over the last six seven months, a couple of years. I mean, and here we are with Michael Jordan coming out. And granted, he donated a million dollars to the NAACP legal fund and a million dollars to the uh, police foundation as well. So he he played right, both, both sides. But he's also saying he's taking a political statement. 
he's making himself known in a political way where he has stayed out of the political forum forever. He's the one guy that has not been in that political arena. Carmelo Anthony is now saying, I don't have answers, but we need to get, we need to get involved somehow. I encourage, he said this at the ASPs, I, can, I encourage athletes to make a stand. So is this their place at this point? Look, everybody has the freedom of speech, and I encourage that as an American. But is this their pulpit? Is this where they should be? Well, here's the problem. When, when we have made this discussion, we've had this discussion before, whether athletes should be role models or not. And, yes, we have the Barkley, we shouldn't, you shouldn't be. You have the Michael, the Jordan, well, Republicans buy shoes also. So we've, they've always had the political correctness. It was always based on a financial, based, based on income, based on, you know, making sure they were able to maintain, every, make everybody happy. The world has changed. And they're making, the money, Terry, issue isn't as prevalent simply because they're making so much money that the, the fear of retribution on that end isn't really there. You know, I mean, we talked about the four guys who spoke at the SBs, and I forget the fourth. It may have been Wade. I don't remember. Both LeBron, Paul, Chris Paul, Anthony, and I think it was Wade, but I'm not 100% sure. Was. I wasn't watching. Wade was that guy. Um, all of them articulate. All of them. Those are their best friends. Yeah. They're, they're all best friends. All of them with, with rel- considering their situation, and this is not a black-white thing, but just any athlete at that level relatively good heads on their shoulders. And the reality is, yeah, while policemen and firemen should, and teachers maybe should be your role models, they're not. People look up to athletes. I did, you did, every guy, I, everyone I know did. You wanted to be Michael Jordan. You wanted to be Dr. J. You wanted to be Iverson, whoever it may be. If you ask 10 guys that, you know, white, black, Spanish, or Hispanic, excuse me, whatever the nationality, whatever the, excuse me, the ethnicity, seven of them are going to, when you say who are the two or three people you look at, and you don't say your father, you know, I mean, from a practical standpoint, this is not a practical, I mean, this is not from a practical standpoint, you would say the three people that you looked up to. I'd say seven out of ten would, would say an athlete. I'd agree. So while in a, in, a, in, a, in a utopian society, these are not the people that you're looking up to, there is also a reality. Reality is people look up to athletes, right or wrong, and that's not really my place to judge. They look up to them. So if you have guys like a LeBron who you like, you dislike, whatever, whatever your thought process is on, you listen to him speak. He is articulate. He is an extremely smart guy. His words mean a lot more than 99.99% of the populace. So – Regardless of whether you want him to be the person that, whether whether, you know, 25 years ago this he wasn't in the place to be doing it or the athletes weren't, I don't believe I don't believe this applies anymore. It's a different world. You have, you have your Instagram and your Snapchat and your Twitter and your your Facebook. Social media is so prevalent and just so hard to avoid all these people on a, such a constant basis. I think they're in a place where they should be speaking. Okay. The impact, I don't know what the impact is short-term, long-term, but 
And I'm not saying what they're saying is right or wrong. That's not no, really no, no. The question. That's not where I'm going with this. Right. But the idea that they're speaking, especially when you think of you know the death of Muhammad Ali. I mean, even look tonight, the, the Democratic Convention, you have athletes speaking. Wow, we really were going to go to the DNC? Well, this is Kareem, a non-political show. Just that Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jason Collins both were sure. speaking. That's where all I was going with it. Um, it is a different world. And these are people who are respected, you know, who choose to be role models as opposed to people who avoid it. I completely agree with you. And I'll tell you, the one thing that impressed me the most, and this is not because he's a Nick and not because he went to Syracuse. And I know those that follow the show know I went to Syracuse and know that I'm a Knicks fan. It is the fact that an athlete, a guy who is, in, who is one of those stars, actually said he doesn't have a solution to the problem. And so Carmelo Anthony went up there at the ESPYs and said, this is a problem but I don't have a solution. We need to find the solution, but I don't have it. It's very easy to come up with a solution that cannot work, right? It's very easy to come up with a solution that is so far off the beaten path that in a utopian society, let's use your term, that this would be a great solution. Let's just all get along. I think it's a lot harder for somebody to say, I don't have the answer. And for somebody to say, we need to work on this a little bit more and figure out that answer rather than trying to figure out something, trying to put together what I want. So I give all four of them a lot of credit for coming out and speaking. And you're right. It's not, it's not Charles Barkley's world anymore. It's not the world where he said, we're not role models because there are fewer people in the world that have such a voice and when the guys that we used to look up to the Kareem's the David Robinson's the Bill Russell's the social activists of their time are slowly dying away and soon you won't have a Bill Russell anymore and you got to look up to somebody and I I, I think you're spot on with that in, in incredibly spot on with that yeah I know I know let's look at guys that really should not be held up to, to that aura and that mantle. One being Le'Veon Bell. Now, for those who follow the show, you know that Seth and I have Le'Veon Bell. He is our he is our cowbell in our fantasy team. He is the guy that stirs the drink, as Reggie Jackson once said. Reggie once said. Another suspension... Now, lucky for us, we did draft Devontae Freeman very early. So our three keepers will probably be Devontae, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. But, wow, I don't know if you're a Steelers fan, whether you're happy or unhappy with this. Because last time I checked, D'Angelo Williams was, D'Angelo Williams was leading the league in points when Le'Veon was hurt last year. Oh, no, suspended last year. And... Is there a hidden win for the Steelers, given the fact that Le'Veon Bell, before the suspension, said, oh, yeah, I'm worth $15 million. I'm the best back in the league. I deserve more than everybody but Adrian Peterson. Wow. Really? He ain't getting that anymore, is he? This is the second time he has been suspended. 
uh, or second time he's been suspended. Second time. Yeah. Um, although he's saying he will not miss any games. I'm not holding my breath on that. This is a team that needs Le'Veon Bell. As good as Roethlisberger is, he is in his 13th year, 14th year. He's a little bit beaten up. D'Angelo Williams is a short-term fix. A very, very good one, but still a short-term fix at the end of the day. Le'Veon Bell has the talent to be the best running back in football. Excuse me, from an all-around basis. But when you can't stay healthy, and when you are healthy, you're doing stupid, part of my French, stupid crap like this. You know, he wants this, he wants this kind of money. And he's not going to get it playing 12 to 13 games a year. And for the Pittsburgh in a way, it's almost advantageous from a financial standpoint because it, it doesn't even allow them to make the opportunity to, to give you know, multi-year offers in the Adrian Peterson price range because you can only sign them on a year-to-year basis because you can't trust them. Now, that's really nice for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It really sucks for us. I mean, selfishly. Selfishly, we lose our, our, our top running back. Hopefully, Nabate Isles and a couple other people are not listening to this program because now we need D'Angelo Williams <laughs> again, and hopefully we'll get him for the same cost we got him last year. I just highly doubt. No, we got him for 11. 11? We, we did the rest of our money on him That's right. just to get him at the end. He was actually our last pick of the draft. Well, one of our better ones, though. Definitely one of our better ones. So uh, hopefully next year we, we will secure his services again and have the dreadlocks. And uh, and the and go for a third run into the Super Bowl in three years. Undefeated, hopefully this year. That would that would be nice. I'd like to be an undefeated team this year. It was your, oh. You won your first championship in how many years with that team? I know. Let's take our championship and. I, I was I was very happy about it. I I, I understand. But it should have been two. To quote Bobby Knight in 1976, should have been, been two. two. So from talking about the stupid is and stupid does. Josh Gordon's back. Did you hear that? <sighs> yep. So how much do you think – now, we have a $250 fantasy league this year, 260, 260 pool. Assuming he is not kept, which I think he might because I think somebody got him at a very low price last year. Assuming he's not kept, he's going to miss the first four games of this year. How much do you think he goes for? Well, here's the problem. Who the hell is going to throw him the ball? Robert Griffin III. Maybe. Supposedly, there's some free agent quarterback who I've never heard Josh McCown? No. A guy I've never heard of. Wait, there's a guy you've never heard of? Yeah, I know. That's weird. A All right, I'm going to look never this up of. right now. Who are the, the camp quarterbacks for, for the Browns? Who is out playing Griffin in, or is at least playing Griffin shot for shot? Antonio Davis? No. Nope. You mean? Uh, Not Austin Davis. Austin Davis? No. There's another guy. There's another guy. There's okay. only three quarterbacks I know from there. There's a guy I'd never heard of. All right, looking at the roster now. Cody Kessler? Nope. Uh, they don't have another one on their team, dude. Uh, Nobody maybe. else on their team. But I will look. I, I will. I will go further. QB Browns. Let, let's well, regardless, he will go for a DC. He'll go for Pat a- Devlin. The West Virginia guy? I don't think it was Devlin either. I thought it was someone I had never heard of. Um, regardless of who it is, he's going to go from somewhere in the $15 to $20 range because he just will. And, you know, he's the guy in your snake fantasy draft is gonna, you're going to pick in the 13th round and take a shot on. 13th? You think he'll go that far? 
Uh, okay, maybe ninth, eighth or ninth. I don't think he'll go much lower, higher than that. Okay. See, I'm I'm a big look. When Josh Gordon was playing, he was in the top three receivers in football. Yeah. So I I look. He may he may deserve to go in the top. I don't know. Thirteen rounds. But I got to say, the, the five quarterbacks, by the way, are Robert Griffin III, Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, Austin Davis, and Pat Devlin. I know all of those. There's, a, there's another name in the free agent camp. I don't know who it is. Wow. There's another guy. Okay. I, mean, I, have, I don't know a quarterback. That means he is random as hell. Yeah. I'm, I'm really going to have to look at this up. Look at this up? Look this up. Um, and I can't find anything else on training on quarterbacks. But – Connor Shaw? Nope, I know him. He went to South Carolina. He was released by Cleveland. So let's look who else. It should say who remains. This is on Cleveland.com. It should probably say who is left on the uh, on the bench for them. Oh, here we go. They still have quarterbacks. Nope, there's only four left, dude. Robert Griffin, Austin Davis, Cody Kessler, and Josh McCown. So maybe you're thinking of Sid Finch? No, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of Sid Finch. <laughs> For those that do not know who Sid Finch is, in the 1980s, the Mets decided to have a little fun on April Fools, and they invented a player. I think it was Frank DeFord, I think, wrote the article for Sports Illustrated. I'm going to look that up, but it is, it is quite a humorous tale. Sid Finch was a fictitious baseball player, the subject of a notorious article from Wikipedia, an April Fool's hoax called The Curious Case of Sid Finch, which was written by George Plimpton. Oh, that's who it was. And first published in 1985 Sports Illustrated. So the managing editor noticed that a cover date would fall on April 1st. He asked Plimpton to commemorate the article with an April Fool's joke. He reported that Sid Finch was a rookie baseball player in the training camp. He only wore one shoe a heavy hiker's boot when pitching. He had never played baseball before, was attempting to decide between a sports career and one playing the French horn. What was astonishing about Finch was that he could pitch a fastball at an amazing 168 miles per hour. Far above, yeah, far above the record of a mere 103. With pinpoint accuracy and without needing to warm up, this Mets scouting report gave Finch a 9 on the fastball velocity out of 10. I wonder what a 10 would be. An 8 on control. Oh, I'm sorry, 9 on fastball velocity and control. 8 is the highest score on the scale. And the, the thing was, people fell for this. So the story was released in 1985 in March. The Mets fans were overjoyed at their luck and flooded Sports Illustrated with requests for more information. Man, I am so glad I wasn't reading Sports Illustrated in 1985. The sports editor of one of New York's newspapers complained to Jay Horowitz, the public relations director for the Mets, for allowing Sports Illustrated to have the scoop on Sid Finch. Two unnamed general managers actually called Pete Uroth to ask how their batters could face Finch safely. This just gets worse and worse. Meanwhile, the St. Petersburg Times said they reported to find Finch and the radio show host claimed he saw Finch pitch the first pitch. Wow. So, Plimpton eventually broadened his article to include, in, into a novel. There is a 30 for 30 short, if you'd like to find it, on ESPN in April 1985. So, 
I imagine you are inventing your Sid Finch for the Cleveland Browns. I must have there's another name. I'm, I'm Not Terrell Pryor either, right? No, he's a wideout. He's still on Cleveland. Yeah, still on Cleveland. But anyway, assuming he gets passes thrown to him, which is where this all started from, I think he probably goes in the seventh round. Like, I think he goes as a top wide receiver in a quarterback-heavy draft. Just just my take on it, I think that might happen. So, what else is going on in sports this week? You know, the thing is, the Olympics start real soon. They may, uh, considering everyone is dropping out or being suspended from it or not staying in the village because of a variety of reasons or being kidnapped. Yeah, I heard about that kidnapped, the jujitsu guy. Who would now? I want to. What I want to know. What I want to know is who of all people you're going to kidnap a jujitsu guy, a gold medal guy too, a guy that knows what the heck he's doing. I can understand you kidnapping a golfer, or a or a cross country skier, or a hurdler. You mean anything that doesn't kick your ass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would not go after a judo guy or a wrestler. But, I mean, have you heard that half of the village isn't even ready yet? I did not hear that. This is, you know, Rio was, has been an absolute cluster beep. And, you know, with the Zika virus, you have a lot of people not plant, not going. This is going to be, I think, the worst Olympics. I mean, look, you're always going to have your stories, you're, whether it's Simone Biles or Michael Phelps or, you know, the zillion other people. You're always going to be able to come up with stories. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. He will still be there. He will. And Hope Solo has enough insect repellent to, for the entire village. Yeah, I saw. I think I think he bought. She bought like nine percent of stock in, in yeah. Austin. Um, you know, and we'll start. To, we'll talk a, lot, a little bit more about the Olympics next week because yep. it's two weeks away. It starts, it starts August sixth. August sixth, which is exciting for me since I'm going to be working from home for the most part with kiddo. So I'll at least be able to watch that. Which, at least I got a place to come over and watch. There you go. Did you get a new TV yet? No. We got to work on that. That is just not acceptable for a work at home Olympic viewing. Well, unacceptable. I do the best I can. Maybe a second one on the wall. Can we wait till we get to our new apartment, whenever that is? Will there be or one on the wall in the new apartment? We'll probably take the one from the from the bedroom and put it on the. Uh, Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Uh, okay. Mr. Cambridge is also moving out of the city, much to my dismay. But he, but I think it's actually the same distance. Yeah, it's not much. The, if you just flip the, the switch. Yeah, it's actually, we're moving to Hoboken on uh, October 1st. And the commute to our office in Times Square is actually quicker from where we are in Hoboken than from where I am. On Assuming Hoboken. that there's no traffic. Even if there is traffic, it's the last stop. You, you avoid everything. You just go straight into the tunnel. Fair enough. So. so getting back to the Olympics, we do need to talk a little bit about yeah. this because Russia seems to not have a team. Well, they're allowing the team. They're just not allowing the track athletes. Which is just about everybody. Well, no, so they, they have, have a basketball team. Yeah, well, the basketball team, unless Arvido Sabonis isn't walking through that door. No, but the thing that... Pro- Sarunas Marshallonis is not walking through that <laughs> no. door. The thing that is trouble, Alexei Volkov as well. The thing he that, may walk through that door. I wouldn't recognize him if I fell over. The like, thing Alexander that is Volkov. troubling about this is it's not just the track athletes that got tested. Sharapova gets tested, right? They all got tested, and they all probably failed. So, Finna 
which I guess is the swimming, has declared seven Russian swimmers ineligible. Wow, a whole seven. That's incredible. Russian doping whistleblower has appealed the IOC ban. Russia has stated at least eight athletes will miss eight athletes. They had 3,000 tests. Three, eight athletes. That's not even a basketball team. That's two four-by-four realize. I mean, eight. Yes, I know how eight works. But what's interesting is if you look at WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, um, the guy who, the the whistleblower, wrote, I think it was 200 emails and 50 letters before they investigated. And then they couldn't even investigate all of it. They could only investigate part, which is why Russia is even only partially there. Because the assumption is that everyone, everyone on the Russian team, for all intents and purposes, was doing something. You do understand she's also... She's also appealing her ban because she was banned. Who are we talking about? So the Russian doping whistleblower, Yuli Stepanov, Stepanova, is appealing her ban from the Olympics. So the whistleblower got banned, too. No, the whistleblower was a guy. Maybe this is a guy. Yulia could be a guy. Could be. That I don't know. Um, oh, no, it's a girl. No. She says that IOC's ban of any Russian athlete who was previously served a doping ban is not permitted. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, but it was started by a guy, actually, who was, who was in their training, I think, facility. And you, uh, you have to feel so terrible for all of these people who, you know, work their lives, regardless of country, who worked their entire career towards a gold medal and missed, may, may have missed out on it because of a Russian who was doping. Agreed. I will tell you it, it's interesting because I never feel... I never feel jealous when I watch sports. I never feel that LeBron James can dunk a basketball and I can't. That's never been – first of all, I, I couldn't dunk with a trampoline. I'm a hoop. No, I'm But I never feel that way. It's never been part of, my, part of my thought process. But every year when the Olympics are held, I do feel jealous because I am in awe of these athletes. and. I'm sure this will be reiterated once or twice during the Rio games. And I went to the, to the 96 games in Atlanta and I was awestruck by all the athletes there, by what they could do. And I'm awestruck every four years, both in winter and in summer by this type of thing. So I don't know about you, Seth. I look, I understand it happens every four years. I understand that I may not care about any of these sports it, on August 22nd. I, I probably won't care about half of these sports after August 22nd. But between the days of August 6th and August 22nd, they are extremely captivating to me. And I'm not sure it's the same for you, but every sport is extremely captivating. Yeah. It could be the most boring thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the running joke with curling. It, um, in the Winter Olympics, but yeah, I, I've always loved the Olympics. I don't. I'm always ready for them to be over after two weeks. But I've always enjoyed them immensely because they're of sports that I don't care about. But they're people, and they're people who are making twenty thousand dollars a year, or thirty thousand. You know, it's one thing seeing the basketball team. Well, yeah, it's great that Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony and Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis has been playing, but you know, and whoever. I think guys are making fifteen million dollars a year. 
their lives are not going to be significantly altered one way or the other by a gold medal. So be happy to have it, but it's the guys, the rowers and the, the equestrian people and all these guys who are making no money and take, you know, I was watching a commercial, which usually doesn't impact me too much, but it was about one of the athletes that I forget what he does. He drives Uber in his spare time. Oh yeah. To, uh, to make money. And these are the people who I have such a great respect for because this is something above and beyond, you know, this is pretty much foregoing years of your life, foregoing your life to, to achieve a single goal. And, you know, unfortunately I never had any talent, so I couldn't really do something along those lines. But even if I could, I wonder if I would have had the guts to do what they do. And spot on. Yeah. No, no question about it. You know, in my mind, They've earned, you know, by doing this, and not that I feel obligated, and I'm, and as anyone knows, I am not a peach. I am not, you know, I argue that God, that the Star Spangled Banner shouldn't be played in front, or God Bless America shouldn't be played, like any of these things should never be played at normal, typical sporting events. For two weeks, every three or four years, whether it's the, every year, usually, whether it's the World Cup or whether it's the Olympics or something of that magnitude, I do kind of, I, the patriotism kind of turns on a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you know what, that's kind of healthy, right? I mean, we, it's nice when an entire nation, and I said, look, I watched the world cup a couple of years, was it last year or the year before a couple of years ago now, right? It is awesome to see countrywide joy. And it's something in the U S that we actually miss considering we are not in this is where soccer actually benefits and where being in Europe is beneficial because in the U S we don't have the European championships. And when I was in England watching that, that was fantastic. Watching lose Iceland. It didn't ma- You know what the thing was? It didn't matter whether they lost Iceland. It was the patriotism that they were showing. That was amazing to me. And I'm not sure it's called patriotism in, I'm sure it is, but the national pride is a better thing. So I find it, I find it amazing to see national pride. I found it awesome when you and I went down to a bar at six o'clock in the morning to watch a hockey game in the first round of the Olympics, USA versus Russia. I love that because everybody was on the same page. There was no Yankees. There was no Mets. There was no Jets. There was no Giants. There was USA. And it is incredible for two weeks to be just like that. Okay, we got five minutes to go. Would you like to start first? Ye being of fatherly pride at this very moment. Well, uh, first, as I said before, I'd like to thank everyone, especially Sean, uh, but everyone who has reached out, called, emailed, an extraordinary and humbling few days. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a progression like anything else. And I can't wait till the first time where we're doing this, whether it's next week or two weeks or three weeks. And we hear the crying in the background from the, from the, from kiddo. And, um, and I am probably going to be trying to carry him or hold him or play with him while we're doing the show, which will be interesting. And hopefully he ends up being a sports fan. And I don't mean it from a, you know, just because it's, as a, you know, just because I'm one. So I ho- I kind of hope he ends up one. And that he listens to this 15, 20 years down the road. Not that we're probably doing the show at that point, but, you know, and, and listens and gets a good laugh and says, man, 
you know, Seth, you know, Pops and Uncle Sean actually knew what the hell they were doing. <laughs> and well, Dad, is Uncle Sean ever going to move out of the basement? <laughs> I promise you I will not be in your basement for but, more than a night at a time. Fair enough. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, the reason we do this, and it started off because we were hoping that the website would take off, and it never really did. But we do this because it's fun, and we do it because Sean and I love doing it, and it's a blast. And how often do you get to do something that you love, you know, every week? And for the most part, although we skip a few from time to time because the summer is boring. So, I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever uh, Jake wants to do, hopefully, even if he doesn't do it as a career, I truly hope he gets to do something he loves, whether it's, whether it's work-wise or whether it's ancillary, like what this is. And, and I hope he does it as well as we do it from time to time. Wow. Okay. So generally I follow, he follows me with, with serious stuff. And now it's my turn to follow him with the words utopian and ancillary today. We, we are expanding the dictionary. Yeah, I'm but, taking the LSAT next week. I need more money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to get you there. Okay. So to Jake, I cannot wait to your father and I take you to Lively Field because I spent three days in the what I call the mecca of sports, and as I was walking into Wrigley Field last year, last week, and granted, I saw two losses and one win, so I broke my streak. I am now one and eleven in Wrigley Field, which is better than zero nine. It's better than zero nine, and if you watch the game that the Mets actually won, they almost lost, and I couldn't even think about it. But I could watch baseball all day at the park and I could sit there all day and it is, I spent three nights there, two nights in one day. And to those people in Chicago that welcomed the Mets fan in the middle of Cubs fans, it was great. Look, if you haven't been to Wrigley, go. If you haven't been to a ballpark this year, go. Because there really is nothing better than a beautiful day at the ballpark. Now, 98 degrees, 98% humidity, that's one thing or another. I'm sure Seth and I will go in September when it's a little bit cooler out. Okay, last point. If you didn't see the lightning strike Empire State Building tonight, go find it on YouTube. It's pretty awesome. It hit, we, we, we were watching from the hospital. It hit the Empire State Building. It hit the Empire State Building. Lightning hit the Empire State Building. Did it turn State the building. colors blue and red, blue and no. orange? No, it should have because that would have been victory for the match. Victory! Victory! So, anyway... With that in mind, I would like to end with a quote from Johnny Drama from Entourage. Did we just do it? No. no. Well, we did one. And I'm not sure if you've seen the movie. I did. We have a baby? We have a baby! (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week to Seth and Sean. We have a great time. 760-283-0846 every single week. And we will see you next week. Congrats to the Caymans once again. And hopefully the snip-snip goes according to plan. Bye-bye.